It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Stocks for beginners. Weekend watch list. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we take a close look at an individual company, sector, or ETF that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how experts screen for value and opportunities. Joining me today is Luke Hallard from Seven Investing. Hello, Luke. Hi, Phil. It's great to be back on the show. So we're going to be talking about Connected TV. What is Connected TV? How do you define it? Yes, yeah, a really interesting sector, isn't it? And I know I know you get this stuff, but why don't we do a bit of a rewind for your listeners and talk about programmatic advertising a bit more broadly and try and bring it to life a little bit. If we think about how advertising has worked for the last 50, 60 years, you turn on your TV and you see an advert and everybody in your region is seeing that same advertisement. And that kind of makes sense for the advertiser. They can segment their audience. You know, they they know if it's England and it's the middle of winter, it's pretty cold and gloomy, and maybe they're selling umbrellas and raincoats. But it's quite hard to be quite targeted with their advertisement and their advertising dollars. So in comes programmatic advertising, and this really arrived with the advent of the internet, created these capabilities. So if we think about a really simple example, and we think about maybe just an internet page, maybe even your Stocks for Beginners website. I don't know if you use programmatic advertising, but many sites do. So if you if you are selling space on Stocks for Beginners programmatically, you'll probably be working with an organization that's known as an SSP, a supply-side platform. And really, as a website owner, you're a publisher. And so you're saying to your SSP, hey guys, I've got this space on my website and I want you to sell that space and get me the greatest ad return you can get for me. So something really interesting happens that you could never really do before programmatic advertising. And let's say I come along and I browse to your website and I go check out Phil's page. Well, something quite fascinating happens and it really surprised me when I understood this. An auction takes place in real time the moment I open your page. And actually, let's come away from me. Let's just talk about some random consumer. Let's say it's some guy, John Smith, and John opens the website. And so your web page effectively says to all the advertisers out there, hey, this guy's just arrived at my page. He's employed. He's single. He's a guy. He's 25 to 30 years old. He's liberal-minded. He's interested in Manchester United Football Club and tennis. He's recently been Googling engagement rings and he just booked a vacation to Paris, now bid for his eyeballs. So this this kind of thing is happening at huge scale, millions of times, possibly a second, right? Every time someone goes to a website, you're getting this real-time auction for that individual's eyeballs. And then what's actually happening is your supply-side platform is talking to all of the demand side platforms and it's saying, hey, here's this guy, John. I've told you all about him. Bid for his eyeballs. An auction happens. All the advertisers bid and whoever bids the highest amount 
their advert appears on the webpage when John looks at it. And if Sally comes along a few seconds later, she probably gets a completely different advert. So it seems incredible that that happens at that scale, but it does. It's a scarily efficient way of advertising, isn't it, compared to the old-fashioned really network television model? Yeah, it really is. And, and, and you're right, actually. So this is, if we bring it from the internet into TV, this is what's happening with connected TV. You've got the same effect happening. And it's not just when you're watching, say, YouTube or you're watching maybe Hulu or some channel on your laptop. It's happening if you're watching your smart TV, if you're watching your Samsung TV or you're browsing, watching TV with a Roku device. The same kind of technology is is in that chain and a targeted advert, targeted at you, your interests, your behaviors, uh, your demographics are shaping the adverts that you're receiving. We usually think of subscription TV as uh, some of those services that you've mentioned, but uh, mainly Netflix, which seems to be the biggest uh, player in Apple TV and uh, Disney Channel and so forth. So there's two different models operating here. There's the subscription and the advertiser-based models. What's the breakdown there? Um, I don't know the specific percentages, but I think you've definitely called out some of the key names. I I suppose when we think about them, most broadcasters operate an advertising-based video-on-demand service. So they're, they're potentially using programmatic advertising. And and this is like watching traditional cable TV, right? You get adverts pop up all the time. And there are there's probably a smaller number of players who use SVOD, subscription-based video-on-demand. So I think the ones we, the key ones we all know about are Netflix, clearly, and also Disney+. Plus. So you know, many of the subscription channels are struggling with revenues and Netflix, if you've been following their share price, you know, they're struggling right now. So evidently their CFO said just in the last 24 hours, um, never say never to us operating an advertising based model. And that's always been kind of the antithesis of the, the model for Reed Hastings, their CEO, but perhaps they're now starting to rethink that in the light of revenue challenges. I'm just going to put in a question without notice here, but this, this is what I kind of noticed in the audio space, in the music space with Spotify. Um, their advertising can be really highly targeted, and it's an, an analogy of what's going on here with um, with uh, television as well. I, I know from the podcast, for example, I can actually see user data and demographic data of people that are listening to this podcast. You know, I know it's like 70, 80% male that are listening and uh, quite a younger demographic, you know, less than 44 years years of age. But this is the kind of thing that traditional broadcast television is struggling against. And yet they still have the lion's share of the advertising spend. How big is that advertising spend on US TV? Yes, it's absolutely massive. I've got numbers for the US and I think we can it's probably a decent indicator as the rest of the world. So today I think total spend on television advertising is sixty-five billion dollars a year. But today connected TV only represents fourteen and a half billion dollars, about twenty-two percent of the spend. And I think there's an interesting dichotomy here that Connected TV is basically getting 22% of the revenues, but today potentially represents nearly half of the viewing. So I did look at a different study from a firm called Lichtman Research, and they reported that in North America, 82% of households 
have at least one connected TV device. And in fact, actually, the median was, I think, 4.1 devices. I guess we've all got things that can stream video, lots of things in our house. Um, And then 39% of adults watch connected TV daily. So you've got, you know, getting on for 40 to 50% of people watching connected TV, but only 22% of the ad spend going in that direction. And I think if we come back to the ability to target as well, there's an interesting quandary for advertisers that um, they can potentially get so much more value from a connected TV, you know, a targeted advert, as opposed to a kind of pay and spray style traditional advert. It, I think it seems inevitable to me that the advertising industry is going to be moving in this direction. And that's really the foundation of my own personal investing thesis in connected TV as a megatrend. Listeners know that I'm always banging on about diversification, and that doesn't mean buying different stocks. Diversification means being invested in a range of asset classes like bonds, real estate, precious metals, and now wine. Wine is an asset class that's been around for hundreds of years, but until now, only available to the mega wealthy. VinoVest makes it easy to invest in wine. They have a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell and even drink them whenever you want. There's a case of wine in a warehouse with your name on it. Wine has a third of the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed global equities over the past 30 years with 10.6% annualised returns, proving that the returns can be as full-bodied as your favourite Napa cab. Go to zen.ai slash stocksforbeginners to receive two months of fee-free investing. Be sure to mention that Stocks for Beginners is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. That's zen.ai slash stocksforbeginners. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. that's really what we're doing now, what this discussion is all about, because we're looking for mega trends, we're looking for tailwinds. So let's break down this sector, um, because there's particular companies operating in different segments of this sector. And the first, I believe, is the advertising-based video-on-demand providers. Who are they? Yeah, so firms like Disney's Hulu uh, in the US, you know, they have Disney do have an advertising-based channel, Hulu. Also, Paramount Plus. You'd have probably heard of HBO Max. And then I suppose there are some other, uh, in the AVOD space, there are some other, some more interest-based channels. So things like Discovery Plus, you know, if you've got kids, that's a really fantastic educational resource. And then they monetize with advertising. And who are the smart TV manufacturers in this space? Yeah. So uh, LG is a big one and Samsung um, but most TVs, it's probably hard to buy a, a TV that isn't a smart TV these days. Just um, a little question here on that, this particular 
segment, um, whether they will be beneficiaries of this particular tailwind? Well, I think the whole sector is going to be a beneficiary. So really, anybody who's got a foot in this supply chain, as we see, or to me, inevitably, advertising dollars following the eyeballs and you know coming across, then really anybody who's extracting value from that programmatic advertising sort of supply chain on connected TV, they're set to benefit. But certainly some firms are going to benefit more. Uh, and, I, and I suppose one little collection of companies that I, I'm looking at particularly are the marketplaces. So actually, we talked about supply side platforms and demand side platforms at the top of the episode. You know, these are the guys that actually operate those auctions in real time. The, these so are the um, advertising marketplaces, aren't they? Correct. Yes, exactly. Yep. But, that, but these same firms... Um, so, well, let's name a couple of them. And again, these aren't stock recommendations, but they're just companies that operate in this space and I think are set to benefit from this mega trend. So on the demand side, probably the behemoth, there's a firm called the Trade Desk, which is ticker TTD. And on the supply side, so sort of operating for the publishers, there are probably two bigger companies. There's been quite a lot of consolidation in this space. So one is a company called Magnite, M-G-N-I, and the other is Pubmatic, P-U-B-M. So I think all three of those, and many of the other DSPs and SSPs, they're probably going to benefit most directly from this move, because that's their whole business model. They're set up and they're very focused players in that area. But there are risks that um, that they face, and there is a sort of interesting uh, battle for revenues taking place between all of those companies right now. What, what's this battle look, looking like? What's the um, the shape of it? Yeah, so there's a, there's been quite an interesting announcement in maybe just the last uh, month or so. So we talked about um, demand side and supply side. So you can imagine that uh, you've got this model where if you're a publisher, then if today if you engage with a Pubmatic or a Magnite you know that they're operating exclusively for you and it's a trusted relationship. And then on the advertiser side, they're perhaps engaging with the trade desk. And again, it's a trusted relationship and everybody's acting in good faith. Well, the trade desk have recently made moves with a technology they're calling Open Path. And they're saying to some of their uh, customers, hey, we can support you as an advertiser or as a publisher. So effectively, they're trying to create a bit of a two-sided marketplace model, a bit like a Airbnb or an, an eBay for advertising. And this could be successful, but, um, but it is a very different model. And certainly, um, if they are successful, the risk there is they could perhaps disintermediate, basically steal the business, or basically make firms like Pubmatic and Magnite irrelevant. I think that's probably an unlikely outcome because supply side platforms offer quite a wealth of services that really the trade desk are not going after. It's more a fairly niche capability they're offering, um, which isn't setting out to replace SSPs, but maybe, but this is very early days and maybe this is a sign of consolidation to come. What, what is an SSP? Sorry, I didn't get the definition of that. Uh, sorry, yeah, so an, a supply side platform. So these are the auction partners that are supporting publishers, so firms like Pubmatic and Magnite. 
It's actually good for listeners to understand how their data is being used. I mean, everyone sort of knows what's being, you know, we always hear about the data that um, some of these tech giants are collecting about us, but um, really this is the cutting edge of it. This is where it is being used to find those eyeballs. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's really scary, isn't it? As individuals, if we think about our data privacy, and there's another risk, I guess you've you've raised the spectre of there, which is the privacy moves that companies like Apple are driving. Well, actually, I'm a bit of a privacy advocate personally, and I think this is great for consumers, but it could be very difficult for the advertising industry. So today, with programmatic advertising, they have a wealth of information about consumers, you know, not just their demographics or their psychographics, you know, their values and personality, but also behavioral variables. So what websites have you browsed in the last day? What things have you purchased online? What's your online activity? That's the kind of information most people would hope is being kept private. And you wouldn't necessarily want that information used to inform the adverts that come to you. Well, it is that is happening today. And so moves by Apple and regulators around the world are driving uh, much more focus on privacy and and at least um, rather than being able to target an individual based on their specific behavior, if we keep it simple, more about rolling that up and looking at cohorts of individuals. So you can't target someone specifically based on their interests, more like people like them. And the, the data presumably would be anonymized in that way. Yes, yeah, so I suppose the data is anonymized today, but uh, you have so much information on an individual, you probably could do nefarious things with it. And certainly if you roll it up to a cohort level, well, there's, I suppose two things happen. It does preserve privacy, but also it perhaps, and this is what worries the advertising industry, it, it reduces the ability to target and therefore perhaps um, reduces the effectiveness of advertising, which is going to reduce what are called CPMs. It's kind of a way of measuring the value of an advert. So advertising will be less valuable. You know, in the round, if I'm in one of these companies, Magnite or Pubmatic, it probably does worry me. As a consumer, I think this is probably the right direction of travel. So Luke, what's the pace of transition at the moment from broadcast TV to the connected TV model? It's pretty slow, actually. Um, I think there's a lot of fear on the part of some of the publishers, and that's what's really holding things back. So, you know, we do have to ask ourselves, why is it that only 22% of revenues are connected TV revenues when, you know, coming on for half and growing of the of the eyeballs of the viewing habits already on connected TV? Quite an interesting comment from Magnite leadership in their most recent earnings release in February. And they mentioned that many of their sellers have backgrounds in cable and broadcast TV. And so they've got limited experience with digital advertising. And so for those sellers, they're quite concerned that they preserve the quality of the viewer experience, ensure brand goodwill, and make sure that the adverts that they show don't detract from their overall um, reputation. And so it's quite scary, I suppose, if they're saying, okay, it's, you know, an auction is taking place. They don't know specifically what adverts are going to be seen by consumers, you know, by their viewers on their channels. So companies like Magnite, you know, they anticipate that. And they do have various technologies around what's called brand safety and relevancy and also frequency capping. 
So, you know, you want to make sure if you, if we're showing an advert to Phil, we don't show him the same advert like five times in a row, because that's going to really turn you off the brand. We want to show you things that are relevant. Otherwise you'll be, be, you'll lose your attention. And, you know, brand safety is very important. If you're say the discovery channel and most of your viewership in the middle of the afternoon are maybe, you know, young kids, then you don't want to be showing adult themed adverts to that audience. You know, that's going to be pretty damaging. So at the moment, it sounds like a an investment for the future, but maybe not quite now. Would that be a fair enough assessment? Um, it's interesting. So um, I think if you I think if you look at the share price of some of these companies, they are actually incredibly depressed. And so there's a lot of bad news and concern in this sector. You know, growth is really slowing, but I think a lot of that is probably built into the share price. You've got the biggest supply-side advertising platform in the world today, Magnite, and they're doing you know fairly substantial revenues of nearly half a billion dollars a year, and their valuation is just I think one point six billion dollars. You know that's quite a reasonable price to pay when you consider the risk and the situation that the company's in. Perhaps they're not terrible buys right now, actually, but an investor in this space does have to be aware that it's probably a long-term investment, at least five years to see things play out and also to be aware of some of those risks we talked about. Luke Heller, thank you very much for joining me today to talk about this. But uh, just before we go, I just wanted to also mention the promo code, Stocks for Beginners. If you go to seveninvesting.com and sign up with the code Stocks for Beginners, or lowercase one word, you're entitled to a $10 discount. So Luke, thank you very much for joining me today. And um, hopefully we can get some listeners to come and listen to a lot more of you. Pleasure, Phil. Always happy to chat. Thanks for your time. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.